0: Open the pod bay doors,
1: Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
0: So we're talking about mid '90s. Uh, Jonah Hill's directorial debut came out in last year, so 2018.
2: Jonah Hill, of course, popular for Superbad and 21 Jump Street, and tons Wolf of, of, of other Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. Not to not exactly. Not to mention his two times Academy Award nominee. For Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. and for Moneyball. And for Moneyball. So he's coming in with like the comedic sense, starting out with something like Super Bad and Judd Apatow films, and then working into this like kind of serious actor, getting, you know, Academy nods. Some things that I immediately thought were interesting about the film more than anything, like being a 90s kid myself, like was born in 1980. So mid 90s to me was like my youth. Yeah. That was it. It, it resembled. Now I was never a skater, but it—what it, he did well, right out the gate—like I have nothing but really applause for the film for almost all the way through. He hit the mark on everything that felt right in the in that era. And so, like I didn't—I—I—I I, I had friends that were skaters, but I wasn't a skater. But immediately, the one thing that I resonated with at, at the very start was just uh, was, was some of the music. The music, mm. the soundtrack throughout the whole film. So, not being a heavy skater and into that too much, but being very much, very much into hip hop. The music, the scores. You had like the Far Side from, you know, Los Angeles. You had like Chub Rock. You had uh, Wu Tang, Gangstar, Even people that weren't in the soundtrack of the film but resembled that era. Yeah. Like all that Cypress Hill. Like all that stuff to me. It took me back to like being in my friend's room when I was 13, 14, 15 years old and just popping in CDs and listening to Ice Cube. I mean, but he had I – mean, there was even like, uh, Kissed by a Rose by Seal. True. I mean, so he had, he, this had other, a pretty had good this gamut. Other, and then the Pixies is in it as well, you know. Uh, so to me, that that was the first thing that kind of resonated was the the music that took me – into the era. Like he nailed it. He wasn't so intrusive with it that it was trying to like it, just it blended in nicely. So I thought the music was great.
0: You know it's yeah. crazy for me it wasn't necessarily the music that brought me into the 90s. It was the dialogue.
2: It was part of it. Yeah, but it the, was okay. See but
0: for me I, I, a different perspective on the music. I wasn't really into all that music. I mean, I was aware of it, but that wasn't really my To me it was the dialogue. I mean, here's the one that kind of got me it was like, would you rather Suck your dad's dick, or eat out your mom. I mean, because we, we did that shit. We, I mean, not this. But would we, you rather? Would you, you rather? Yeah, like and and it was. I mean, that's. It was weird. Really that little bit right there. That's what brought me back into the nineties. It's funny as hell. But, but, but
2: that right, and I agree. Like yeah. I, it, it's definitely that teenage humor. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking like that scene <laughs> itself is. It feels a little. Because even them in the scene, they're like, what, where are we talking about? Yeah. But then they like get into it and they keep going. And that to me is like the teenager essence, which is like, you know, it's like a weird conversation. You're like, maybe we shouldn't talk about it, but you just keep, you just going. keep doing it. And so when, when, uh, when, and, and his name too, the, the character that put, you know, his name's fuck shit. Fuck shit. Yeah. <laughs> and his response to me is the funniest because then he's like, I don't know, but I'm drugging him first. And then the one kid says, you're going to rape, you're going to rape your parents. Rape your parents? <laughs> so it like takes it to this whole other, oh, he's it great. turns Pepper it, level, yeah. it actually takes something that uh, for me, like immediately you kind of go, oh, that's kind of a little uncomfortable because you're talking about like sucking dad's dick and, yeah. and then he's he changes it into something that's almost funny and you laugh at it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's like, you're going to rape your parents. So I think, yeah. So that kind of stuff when you're a kid. Like he was hitting on that little teenage essence, and and using the proper dialogue, like it didn't feel polished. It felt like a real conversation. That's what I was going to say.
0: That the, the actors, in that he found to do this were the most natural kid. I, I, it didn't seem like they were reading lines to me. So here's here's the. There's di- the direction.
2: Yeah, which is fantastic cause yeah, what he, and I was and I was looking at this and looking into some of the, the how he how he did it. And he was interested in in finding uh, real skaters Mm. and not interested in finding actors. So he said he held a couple auditions with real actors and it just wasn't bringing the tone. Like it didn't bring the style. Because they didn't act like skaters. Because they didn't have that, whatever that is inside. So he went out and found skaters. And this... Nikel smith the, the black kid with the dreads mm-hmm. that uh who plays ray oh, fantastic yeah. is he and he's one of the best skaters in the world like just by nature like that's what mm-hmm. his job like he he does a plethora of things like a skater apparently he's a rapper and a hip-hop artist he does all this stuff very like multi-faceted faceted renaissance type kid but he went out and found him and and then Sonny Soljic, which is the kid that plays Sunburn, the kid that plays I think Stevie. it's hilarious. That's just
0: real Sunny yeah. Sunburn. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Nice. He's also a real skater, and so is uh, – his name is Olin Prennett. He's the kid that plays um, fuck shit. Fuck shit. They're all real skaters. So that worked to his advantage. That was, that was a great – I thought, like you were saying, that's a great hmm. – I feel like that's ballsy too. It's been a lot – it is risky. I feel like yeah, that's ballsy, yeah. but like if you look at film history, like that's borrowing. Like there's something there. If you look at old Italian neorealist films, mm-hmm. like from the '40s, right? Bicycle Thief, mm-hmm. Roberto, you know, all these different people. They pulled the Italian neorealist films would pull in uh, non traditional actors or non actors, mm-hmm. however you want to call it. Uh, people that were. Going through things, but weren't pr- for professional actors by trade, and it brought something different to the film. Mm. And so, I think he did the same thing, like going out and taking the chance on working with people who weren't actors but could carry that. You know. Well, it's that, not just finding weight.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's it's finding like, people that are going to carry your film from first frame to end frame. It's not. I mean, because you'll you'll find a few films that'll grab. A few people aren't actors, just for like bit parts. Part well, yes. you know, just little parts or a, a bit of a character, but like
2: lead roles. Lead is
0: roles is, is is pretty pretty unheard of.
2: But they did it. They did it. They killed it. I thought. I thought uh, uh, Ray. I thought you know that his character was fantastic. Like I thought his character was. It felt real. It felt authentic. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they weren't trying to overput. They weren't pushing it. it. Never felt like it was. You know, them acting, it just felt very authentic, like very visceral.
0: What was the other, is that the older brother? Ian. Ian's the older brother. Ian's bro- the
2: older brother. Yeah. You know, I yeah.
0: props to him too. Man, yeah. I fucking hated him from frame one. Yeah, yeah, I hate him. I mean, Jesus Christ.
2: But then
1: you, it, I hated him, but then you're just like, you, you love to hate him because you see what he's kind of going through. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I, it, I'm I, just so impressed of how he gets these serious undertones and able to handle all this serious stuff that kids go through mm-hmm. at, at almost a comedic level where they're with your buddies. Yeah. It, it's somehow cathartic that I'm going through this shit in my life, but it's okay. Cause I got this pair of buddies that I can go, you know, rely on. And I think that's a universal connection with anybody who watches. You don't have to be a skater. You just, if you grew up trying to fit in with any kind of social circle, uh, uh, especially nowadays of people trying to fit in you know uh, online or whatever social circle they, they try and enter um, I, I think they would enjoy watching this yeah.
2: yeah for sure that that dynamic of the of the friends is pretty pretty impressive how he's able to build the dynamic between them yeah. I thought I thought yeah I mean that but there's a lot of there's a lot of undercurrent to the whole film in general Mm -hmm. stuff that it took a it took a watch or two for me to start to see how he was able to paint in these undertones of some pretty dark shit. Mm -hmm. And it, and then when I first viewed it, I didn't, I just was kind of watching it. But as I started, you know, from the very beginning, and I don't know if this was even his agenda, right? I don't know what his primary kind of motive motivation was going into making it, but you look at Stevie's character and he's, obviously a troubled youth it's a coming of age film he's trying to figure shit out he's got problems at home with his brother who who literally like beats the shit out of him not just yeah. like not love just like yeah. movies like he gets the shit kicked out of him which hardens you and calluses you and makes you something else when you're you're not getting any kind of love and his mom's a, a flake to a mm-hmm. degree I mean, she does have the scene where she comes in and tells them, you know, she tries oh. to like, you know, tell the tell his friends that he can't hang out with them anymore, and like she's trying to be a, a parent, mm. but
0: that's a great way to put it. <laughs> trying to be a parent. yeah,
2: but she's not really good at it, right? No,
1: I think she's more trying just just to survive. She's trying to right? survive. She's yeah. at wit's end, just yeah, trying yeah. to make ends meet, and and that's a common thing for you know single mom trying to hold it all everything together. Yeah, and uh with two boys with two boys yeah and she just assumes life life is good with them but what they're getting into all the you know the mental issues what's what's happening yeah yeah ian's
2: obviously got something going darker and deeper too yeah and he's taking that out physically on his little brother yeah and as a result of that if you look into the deeper issues of stevie like from the get-go like there's that scene and we were talking about it a bit before todd which is like the scene where he comes home, uh, Stevie comes home, and it's after he's, he's got high and he's drunk and he, almost, he gets basically laid. Oh, yeah, by the uh, holder. Basically. And he comes home and his brother's kind of parenting him in a way when he's like, Stevie, you are fucking up. Because he can tell his younger 13-year-old brother is drunk and high. And he's yelling at him and then Stevie kind of gets the courage and the balls to like stand up to his brother and tell him how much he hates him and tell him how much of a pussy he is and tell him he's not getting any girls and he doesn't have any friends. And he starts like standing up to him, right? And then that scene where he runs around into the kitchen and grabs the the same scene. He grabs the orange juice, runs around, his brother catches him and literally beats beats the living shit out of of him, him, punching him. But then you can see that Ian's got issues too. Because after he does it, there's a bit of remorse there. He's like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? Like he can't yeah. control himself because he's almost crying. And then it cuts to the uh, – this. Re- that's what to me is, is interesting because you're able to play a real dark theme there because you cut to Stevie and he's got a cord around his neck. Mm. And he's trying to kill himself. That's what it feels like. It's dark. It's like the true – like for that – he hits the nail on the head of what it's like the darkness you might feel of like coming up, not feeling like you have a parent or any kind of uh, mentor above you to help you in life. And like feeling like you're always at the bottom of the rung and things are never quite going the way that you want them to go. And you're like, fuck it. What am I even doing? Like he hits that dark note. And then within a few scenes, he can flip it back around. Like you were saying, Todd, and you're kind of laughing again and you're forgetting about that little, that lull and that darkness that happens when he's got the controller. Uh, uh, 64 cord, Yeah. Yeah. Just around his neck. So he's hitting these dark undertones and then flipping it around with this lighthearted camaraderie that you get with all the friends, yeah. which, which is, was which growing is up in do. the
0: nineties. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you look at the history of that time, that's when all of a sudden, all the threats weren't external anymore. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we had terrorism, nineteen ninety three, we had the Oklahoma City bombing, one of our own. Yeah. We had Waco. We had all of these things that started happening that all of a sudden, oh, you know, we read about this stuff that happens elsewhere, but it's happening here. And all of a sudden we started to not feel safe where we mm-hmm. I'm just saying historically mm-hmm. I remember going through that period yeah. of time and being scared mm. of my dad. Well, in the Unabomber. Yeah. You know, I remember the Unabomber all of a sudden happening, and someone in Utah was a victim of the Unabomber. Right. And I remember thinking that could have been my dad. And, but again, you know, just he, he's done a great job of historically kind of what we were all going through during that time. Mm. And,
2: and yeah. not even having just to have been like that roller coaster a skater a necessarily in yeah. that culture. Even if you weren't in that subculture of skating, mm. he still Where's hits on he the themes. Solved. He's just using that as the vehicle. Yeah. Would you you know, say, and it's an important piece. you like
1: kids these days, do they still want to find a nickname? Is that like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> do <you> <laughs> that, by the way, like that's like better an than alias ship or, uh,
1: you know. I guess a lot of people don't even go by their names anymore right your online presence is your your, your <laughs> avatar right and that's so you you award yourself the nickname where in the 90s you had to earn it right yeah it yeah. was more socially acceptable it was like dude he gave me a nickname that's yeah. like a cool thing and now it's just like oh I'm gonna choose my avatar I'm gonna choose my nickname you know this is my skin right
2: this is my hand this is my hand right yeah it's
0: my handle yeah Mm-hmm. But that,
2: but that, but that scene's hilarious, by the oh, way, nice. which mean, is because they're talking about a serious topic, mm. which is, is, you know, like questions that people might have and, and it deals in some ways with, with race and ethnicity. Mm. Oh, and black
0: people getting us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I think he brings it and then, but Stevie's response, which is great. Oh. So like, what? it's like, what are black people? Yeah, like he's like just it. saying we're all just people and everyone they see the deepness of it and they're like, oh, and they love it and then they call him Sunburn based on this conversation that they had. That, it felt, that's like natural too. like when you're around buddies and you're around friends and all of a sudden like someone says something or does something and before you know it, someone's got that nickname right, you've been. Done it's, yeah. it's there. Yeah. So and it's irrevocable. That, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, now it is permanent. The uh, subtle acting. Because I think just to, uh, to highlight a little bit of that again, um, you know, that to me, if, if you're looking to if you are looking to be an actor like those that are interested in acting, there's certain scenes in this in this movie that you can learn from these kids who are non-traditional actors on how to act because their subtlety. And there's a specific scene that I'm talking about, which is when uh, right after his mom comes and he's pissed at his mom right okay. and his mom and he's out in the back of the skate shop and he's throwing his board yeah and he's mad and he's like this was the night before he got drunk he got high he he got laid like <laughs> well semi-laid however you want to describe it but for him for a 13 year old that was that, was that was, laid, he got yeah. laid yeah. i never so, got that laid when i was 13 <laughs> <laughs> that, that way yeah. that was uh but then he's out he and he's frustrated and 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 then the dark scene where he's got the cord around his neck, and his brothers beat the shit out of him, and then he's in the back, and he's at the end of his rope. He like feels like, hey, this is it. And then Ray comes out, and the subtle, and I'm getting to the acting because it's real simple, by the way. Like the blocking, the setup, the camera, like it's like one shot. Two kids, sitting two kids sitting, sitting against blocking. a wall, yeah. and the acting of, um, uh, of Ray in that the character Ray in that scene is so good. It's so subtle. It's not like in your face. It's not hard. And he's just talking about, he brings up, he sees that Stevie's, you know, he's down and he's like really feeling like shit. And just the way that it was written and acted. And he's telling him about, you know, if you, if you were to go into other people's closet, you'd see all the shit they have and you wouldn't he and then he tells him about his little brother And, like, when I would go in, I went into my closet after my brother passed away, and I'd see his clothes. And there's a line in there that I love, and he delivers. like? I'd go in, and I'd see my little brother's clothes in there after. And the only thing he said was, it was weird. Oh, yeah. And as simple as that is, like, I know that's a simple line, but it's like, he was just saying, it was just, it was, like, sometimes when you're thinking about writing a scene like that, I feel like you're going to try to get all... Deep and not maybe even melodramatic to an extent. Yeah, and he just says, like, he shares this story about his brother passing. He's telling Stevie, you know, this and that. And then he's like, it was weird to see my brother's clothes in that closet and know that he mm-hmm. wasn't there. And then the follow up, which is like one thing that I that happened was like, he's like, fuck shit, came over. And all he wanted me to do is he just said, come skate with me. And then he's like, let's go. And like, that was it. It was it was it was like they just went skating, you know, like that to me is like the the, once again, I keep using that word, but it's like the essence of like friendship and like bonding as a a kid, which is like the simplicity of not necessarily being the biggest shoulder to cry on because you don't know. And and you're not you're not sure how to really articulate it, but it made it feel real. Like he went and said, this is I know it's not easy. Things happen, shit goes down. You're my boy. Let's go skate, and like that just kind of just lifted the whole scene back up. But the acting in that—that that kid, Nickel Smith, I think was his name. I, might, I can't remember. Steve. Yeah. Um, well, no, uh, uh, Ray, Ray did so good in in delivering that in that scene. Anybody who wants to learn how to act and like deliver like heartfelt uh, undertoned, you know, deliveries as a performer. Like I thought that was a fantastic scene and I think it's kind of sprinkled throughout. Yeah. You know? I thought he did fantastic. As a, and as an and I think that's
1: something, you know, Johnny, you having acted in all those great yeah. movies <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then being able to do his directorial debut, uh, he's able to really catch that, you know, as a director to be able to pull that performance, uh, and, or recognize the performance in that cut, you know, um, I think uh, another scene, you know, to for a first first time director to take on a sex scene and a teenage sex scene where a kid loses <laughs> virginity, yeah. like whoa, he's just you know he's that's ballsy man, uh, and he handles it very well. Like that 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 whole scene where he's just growing up, and you know he's a different kid while walking out of that room, right, with that subtle smile on his buddies, yeah. or he he's a, he's all of a sudden he's this man, you know. He's but transforming. Like, what did he's deal with? Yeah, that's that stuff is so hard to show transformation in your characters, like a physical transformation, uh, having gone through an experience, and he um, it just—it's a well-directed scene. I I, I think uh, a difficult scene to direct with with you and you also think in, that kind of stuff in, in that mm-hmm.
2: scene and and just throughout the movie, like talking about the directing, which is like it's all simple, the blocking. The positioning, how they shoot it, it's very natural. In yeah. terms of like, it's not. There's not
1: nothing staged. You don't ever feel anything staged. No,
2: really. It just off. feels like it's you're just kind of a fly on the wall. It's got a little verite well, style I'm saying it. that that's kind Even of though, like
0: it felt almost a dock in a in 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 some part. I mean besides. No, it does. You know, for sure. It, it almost. Yeah. And I think, mean that's a, a tribute to the actors also that. You feel like you're just watching a real person yeah. go through that real time. It's
2: easy as a first time. And I'm not an actor, but I've worked with actors, and it's like it's easy for actors to get in front of a camera and then take it up, yeah,
1: and not be natural. It's harder to scale it back and be natural. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, especially for so, stage actors. So you're right. That <laughs> is
2: a, <laughs> it is a tribute to like their performances, but that seems that it's it's almost uncomfortable and it's, and like. But it because it's so uh, for that reason because it's so it feels so real you feel like you're
1: I, honestly I peeping like, in on this thing. You're I feel like, conservative, but then I felt like I'm losing my virginity, and if I lost my virginity, that's how it. <laughs> I think I, like, I am losing my virginity. There are, in this movie. Todd. This I, is, I agree. Why can't? They, why didn't that happen to me? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Don't tell me. <laughs> when
0: you're 13,
1: you have a 16 year old. You If you like, like all of a sudden, how oh, I'm jealous. like what? Three or four years. I'm older, jealous of some. some girl the 13
2: year old me was going,
1: damn it. The 13 year old, yeah, yeah. The
2: 13 year old Gabe was going, wait, how come that didn't happen to me? Because, yeah. because a 16, 17 year old girl. You're at a party. You're at a party, and mm. all
1: of a sudden you're you're there. <laughs>
2: and and I'd have been like. How he captured the nervousness was fantastic. Oh. oh, yeah. Because I'd have been more nervous than Stevie was.
1: Oh. I'll tell you that much. <laughs>
2: Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have lasted I mean, 12 Stevie, seconds. If, Stevie's a little bit of a, of a player. <laughs> <What> <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yes, he just got my O-face. Is that a problem? No. It's... Okay. Brandon's getting O-face already. <laughs> um it's been a long day
2: (laughs) he's a little bit of a player because he he
1: yeah he's like i don't kiss and tell he uh,
2: but i mean once he's in the room he even says he's nervous but like yeah i'd have been way more nervous than him he's 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 a callous kid he's been through some shit so he can handle it but that scene is is just it's just done really well because it almost feels once again like and i'm it, it just felt like am i i'm like a am i third wheel here like what? Well, because like so. Should I be in here? Yeah, exactly. Because it felt so real. You know, that's, and that's you a realize. tribute to like the way they shot it and yeah. put it together. So I thought that was that was great. That's hard to hit, and he did it. So,
0: do you feel like some of the intimacy? Because that's the other thing. And overall, I felt it was a very intimate film.
2: Hundred percent. Yeah. Do you think intimate.
0: the four three helped with that yeah. intimacy? Because I feel like it did. I felt the like,
2: box, like the
0: kind of. I felt like.
2: It, interesting it, yeah you no, know i didn't think about it that way but i see what you're saying
0: i, I think that's probably one of the reasons i felt mm-hmm. like a fly in the ball because he felt kind we, of confined in a way we're, we're so used in. to this
1: we,
2: yeah huge it brings you
1: in. we canvas. have gone full circle on that because it was <laughs> like how you know uh um how wide aperture you get and now you look at instagram and how mm-hmm. things are framed now and we want that intimacy again
0: I mean, we just shot uh, for advertising pizza for Estelle Artois. We shot it for four, and we're shooting. I mean, so we're playing with frames again, which is a lot of fun. But I really feel like, like I was saying before, I feel like that was a – I mean, yes, he, it was the 90s. Everything was shot that way, but I really felt a lot of the intimacy – was because yeah, that's of that a good screen. Point.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I didn't think of it that way initially because I thought about it more about just being the era. Yeah. Which is like that's what you would have seen potentially, particularly in a, in a skate-type movie. Mm-hmm. It would have been 4-3. Right. You know? But but I think you're right. I think it closes down the framing. And as a result, it kind of increases some of the, the intimacy or the feeling of like, you know, you're there.
0: Yeah encroaching on some scenes <laughs> like i feel
2: like that's the word it's yeah. like uh, that's what i mean about the with him yeah. and her uh with este was her name like i remembered her name because i was thinking i was stevie <laughs> i was wishing it was <laughs> when i was 13 13 <laughs> um because
0: was she supposed to be like 16 or 17 yeah. oh amazing
2: yeah so that's a anyway great. And, and so they shot but but they shot four by three mm-hmm. 1.33 by one 16 millimeter and that's um, ballsy you know yeah
1: it, it, to pitch that I, I think just to, <clears throat> to say hey, I want to sh- go backwards and shoot a fourth yeah I mean,
2: you know. I mean because
0: he, I, I, I would feel like a lot of them would say well just shoot it and then we can crop it later
2: 100% because everyone go it's I, you can't but you can't no matter what like and I've had discussions about this with my friends and one of my friends who's a, who's a really really talented photographer right and Uh, He has, he's very much film centric. So he, he, he hate, not that he hates digital, but he's very much like, there's something you can't replicate digitally when you versus film. Tarantino. (laughs) Well, a lot of, you know, a lot of directors like Nolan and Tarantino, like there's certain directors who Spielberg, they don't shoot on anything but film. Mm -hmm. There's a reason. And it's not a, it's not a thing of like elitism in in filmmaking, but it's a real thing because you can't, no matter how good the camera. And, and it, there's something different that it captures with the chemical process of film. And so, but to sell that, you know, if you looking, and I was, I was doing some research to sell that, right? Because the, the thing is, like, if you're going to go make a film, and this is his directorial debut, you still have to find financiers. You still have to find the investors, the producers, the people to help you put it together. And to sell that is hard. Because, because you know, executives, they would insist. A hundred percent, they're not going to look at this. Shoot it normal, like, and then we'll see. Not only that, I think the bigger thing is, hey, uh, because you you can shoot the the um the the super sixteen, and it doesn't have to be four by three. Correct. His his thing is like, I got to do four by three. I think that's the bigger convincing to do is like, I want it to be four by three, and they're like, what? Yeah. That that had been hard, and I was doing a little research on it. And he was talking about that process because only, only one, and, and, and I heard an interview with Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill said only one other film, I guess in the history, has been shot on 4x3 that's actually grossed over $100 million. So only one film in the history of cinema has grossed over $100 million that's been a 4x3 aspect ratio. One. So, for you to go before his, before well, his hasn't grossed 100 million, right? But I hope it does because it's that good. I doubt that it will. I'm trying to, I have no idea what film that is. I think, uh, but the film, no, he said it, Joe Hill said it, Grand Budapest, Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: So, he put a presentation together and took it to Scott Rudin, who's the producer, and A24, who's the distributor, and did this presentation with mainly using images from Grand Budapest Hotel mixed with some text because he didn't have other images to go through. So he was just alternating between a couple images of Grand Budapest text and then Grand Budapest again because there was nothing else to reference. Because the convincing is still like, I have to shoot it this way in order for the style and the feel of what I'm trying to do and trying to convince the money people to do it. And they did it. As a, a tribute to Scott Rudin, who's the producer to go, well, if that's what it's gonna take, then we'll still we'll go that route. Cause that movie for me doesn't uh, portray the same way if it's 16 by 9 shot digitally. You know what I mean? Or if it's or whatever to whatever they decide to shoot, whatever aspect ratio, or if it's just shot digitally and then, like you said, in the post process they go and try to recreate that feel and that look because it doesn't quite translate you can't quite get it right you
0: can't quite get it right and also i think as good as a dp as you when you've got when you're restricted by that you're going to shoot it differently yeah you're going to shoot it i've just seen it happen that was great and i thought I, I thought all the lighting was very natural. Nothing crazy. It was the mood was correct at the right places in the right times. It wasn't didn't have that overproduced where they're putting every single pixel it, exactly where yeah.
2: it needs to be. Yeah, it was just looked, going back to that cinema verite, yeah. that documentary normal yeah, style. But they yeah. had they
1: had the the style of like the, the '90s skateboard movies and videos that yeah. come out on VHS. Yeah, that, that people would buy like, and to yeah. learn the tricks. But it was just you had the fisheye lens. Yeah. You, know, you had the skateboard, skateboard tracking shots, of them just riding through the city. Yeah. And stuff like. That. Did
0: the actors actually shoot those?
2: From my knowledge, they did. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
0: it, that's what it felt like. They're to all
2: me. The, they're all pro skaters, so if they. So they're shooting their own shit for. I yeah. can only assume it'd be a weird insurance thing, because <laughs> otherwise it'd be weird not to have them shoot it. Yeah. You
1: look you look at this stuff and I think with the GoPro stuff today, it's just overshot. Like everybody has a GoPro. You put it on your mountain bike, you put it on your surfboard, Yeah, and you get that shot. And I've seen it over and over again. And, and it, it has down, it's like smooth now, but there's just something that something to feel where you take a, an athlete or just somebody like skateboard, and you just hand them a camera, and it's shaky, and and they're just trying to figure it out themselves. There's just there's more realis- realism to yeah. it, you know? And I think we lose it. it, it it's just give and take because you have this cool technology. I mean, you have the drones that can follow you now. You wear the bracelet and it'll track you. And you get these beautiful shots. But does, is that really what you really want to feel? Or do you want that you feeling like you're, you're right there, you know, and, and you're going through the same motions as whatever
2: Well, in an interview, Jonah Hill said, going forward, if, if he has a choice, unless the story calls for it, he never wants to shoot digital. You know, now, now he, he made feel of the because there's some now he's coming from the class of Scorsese and like guys that I mean, he's learning from those guys. You got to remember, like he's coming on set as an actor and he's under the tutelage of like Judd Apatow, Martin Scorsese, like all those guys. And they all shoot film, you know, but he said he didn't want it. He said he wouldn't unless the story called for it. He would shoot on film always. So and I think it pays off for him. It definitely pays off for him in this film, right? So tell me your favorites your favorite scene, T. Favorite scene. Favorite scene. Or a scene that kind of doesn't have you know, you I use the word favorite, but the scene that you go, okay. Okay that, that stood out.
1: Uh for me, it, it the this, for him is that turning point and it's real subtle. But if you're a skater and the first time you learn how to Ollie and you, you you bust off that first trick after you've been practicing all over and yeah. over. I mean, he almost dies trying to, to ollie and then finally he gets an ollie down where you can just jump and you kick up your skateboard.
2: And after he tells his mom on Blockbuster yeah, nice so he doesn't happy. want yeah. to watch a movie, yeah. I want to skate. <laughs> I loved that. Well, see, I love that you, you told me
0: he's, he's a skater. I mean, him going and just purposely fucking up every yeah. single time. But I love that. Anyway, sorry. That
1: scene and then the scene where as a 13-year-old, you... And this is true nowadays too. You just want to fit in. Yeah, 100%. And I think you'll go to extremes. You'll do anything. Mm-hmm. You find that circle of friends, and you, you'll do anything. Yes, it's not peer pressure. It's just I want to show I want to be a part of this group. And for him, it's jumping off the school roof, <laughs> which is just so bold. I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, it, you, he really could have died right there they, they could the right and then In
2: that scene they all sit around after he falls and they're all
1: oh he's dead he's dead
2: <laughs> you know which is what you would do as a t- you'd be like oh he's dead yeah
1: <laughs> you just yell it out yeah you know? he's dead but you for him at that point because you you he he, he he wins like the scene plays plays out and he earns their respect yeah by doing that and it, it took that to get there
2: i love that shot too which is like uh, after Ray tells him I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hit this gap, and he and they're like okay, and then it cuts and it cuts to uh, the the jib shot, and it's like and you hear that song, duh, 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 and the song's going to the to the rays <laughs> of the, the camera to the roof of the elementary school. I love that, and then it, it, it kind of it slides and pans over to the to them, and they start. They start jumping. That moment too, it was so well done because you have the two bigger kids that clear the gap, and then the younger kid, that's just a little older than Stevie, stops because he's nervous. Which is all of us. We've all been in that position where you're trying to prove something, and then you just can't go through with it. It Reminds me of riding my BMX bike down in the in the goalies, in the clay goalies by my house, and like we hit. You'd have some of my friends would hit those jumps. And then I had to start to like figure out how to hit them too, and I pulled the Stevie right. You go. <laughs> you pull
1: the Stevie. Yeah. It. Mind you, this is this is pre YouTube, right? This is pre uh, parkour. Yeah. One of that. You know, you try and pull the biggest stunt and videotape it. Yeah. And these are just kids. Well, I can't remember where they, they were. Were they taping? I
2: I mean, the cool th- the cool part about the story and the characters is that fourth grade, the white kid, yeah. he's always out there filming. You know. That's what they did. Because yeah. he's like, oh, I want to make movies. Yeah. which I wonder how much is that I know it's it's not really an autobiographical film I'm sure that Jonah Hill skated as a kid and did that because everyone at least tried it to an extent I'm sure he did all that plus he's from LA so like by the way having like it it had the LA vibe to it even without having to be on the nose about it Mm -hmm. it just it felt that way and having lived in LA like it felt like that I thought it did but I think everybody's tried skating you know, I don't think it was an autobiographical film, but I think that moment where he's like trying to prove to his friends and he he falls off is it's so well done. I love I I'm I'm obsessed with the track too, which I did some research on, which is a track by a, a Hungarian band named Omega, mm-hmm. and I I don't know how to pronounce the title of the song because it's in a different language, but that song is it, it was like the Music supervisor or Jonah or whoever did that like perfect song selection yeah. for that for that scene. So those so you have the scene where he tries to skip the gap, jump the gap,
1: and then when he ollies for the first
2: time. and then the ollie for the first time.
1: And then of course how he loses Richard
2: and yeah, like I mean scenes. the visceralness of it. Yeah. And uh, but that but uh, also when he's doing the ollie, mm-hmm. he's doing the ollie. Like the other thing is like I thought this film was phenomenally edited. Mm. I thought the editing was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I thought it was well done. I thought it was well put together. I loved the the subtleties of it, the littleness, the not over the top, not overly stylistic, like not trying to make it that scene when he's doing the audience it's just doing jump cuts and it's just kind of progressing that way. I thought it was great. But
1: then he just runs in the house and it's a long shot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. Like we were talking about like the coverage is yeah. minimal. Yeah. If you look at the film, like the coverage is pretty minimal, and it works really well. And maybe it goes back to that fly on the wall feeling, the yeah. doc style, you know, where you don't have multiple setups or whatever. So those are good scenes. Yeah, recommend this movie, Tom. Oh
1: yeah, I, I think it, it, whether you're a skater or not, um, I think uh, any if you've gone through adolescence puberty. Uh, I'm a late bloomer so I like I, I will to connect to a lot of stuff learn a lot I learned a lot
2: this is a maturation, maturation film, film for Tom right,
1: maturation again forget the fifth grade classes watch you know watch this movie.
2: alright Brandon what uh, what's, what scene stood out in the film and kind
1: of
0: you know the scene that resonated with me was when Sunburn I like calling him sunburn before he was sunburn and he was he kept he said he thanked the kid oh, what's his name again uh, which one? the I think it's shit, shit fuck fuck I, shit fuck shit get,
2: get I, I the, only get,
0: got it once get the
2: arrangement right yeah
0: well he's he's got that scene it's, it's near the beginning of the film syntax syntax I I, I
2: mean I don't even know if that's what that means. I, mean, <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Word. Hey, that's the
0: name of our podcast.
2: No. So I feel like
0: I resonated with that kid. It was, you know, cause he was still kind of, it was right before he was really, uh, like really hardened and he was still had that little bit of that nice streak in, but it seems like he couldn't say the right thing no matter what. Like he, he was just like, I think he was like, don't say thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. people think
0: we're gay when you're with you but that wasn't
2: that wasn't fuck shit that did that that no, wasn't ruben. fuck shit no ruben oh that was yeah. ruben. that's Reuben. Yeah. that's right so i was he's the kid so the hierarchy in the group there's a hierarchy which is yeah. always interesting because a lot not when you get older that fades but when you're in high school or junior Ooh. high there's definitely a hierarchy to yeah. some extent so you had ray i'd say ray fuck shit Reuben. ruben, ruben so Sunberg. fourth grade is just in there floating somewhere. What's the kid,
1: the, the videographer? Fourth grade, Four, fourth grade.
2: he's right. in there floating. I don't know where his hierarchy yeah. is.
0: Yeah. He's probably, yeah, he's he somewhere, varies, yeah, yeah. But,
2: but it was Ruben, it was until, Ruben that's right, that's which, right. Yeah, yeah, I know. He, he's trying to step in and be like, I'm the it's, he even says it outright. Yeah, he's like, I'm a badass, I smoke I, weed, I fuck, I fuck bitches. <laughs> And you know everything he's saying is completely Pretty bullshit. False. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Bullshit. He, he wishes like he, he was wishes,
0: wishes he was doing, doing all that yeah, stuff, yeah. but it was it was just kind of interesting just because I've been kind of in that position many times.
2: That and that's because and I always thought it was I thought it was really fantastically done with uh, when he hands him the cigarette and he just takes it and starts to try to smoke. You don't the, smoke, and he's like no, wrong brand. it's a different brand. <laughs> Just try to just go with it. Yeah. yeah, that's. Funny. I mean,
0: I guess we've all kind of been in that position where you, you see something you resonate with. You mm-hmm. see something that's like, I want to be part of this. And you're trying so hard to get into mm-hmm. that. I mean, I mean, just kind of from a filmmaker's point of view, you, you, he's the PA. They can't do shit right. Like no matter what you're doing, you cannot get it right. Like you're, you're grabbing, and, and and you're lying. Of course, when they say, "Hey, go grab a stinger," you don't have a fucking clue what a stinger is. You don't. But you say, "Yeah, I'm on it." You know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it.
2: What's and, a stinger?
0: But no, I just, I just, I just remember he's trying being everything
2: that. he can to fit into that mm-hmm. group. He's willing to go all in. You yeah, he follows that up. There's that other scene where Ruben drinks all the water and Ray comes in and is like, dude, you drink all the water, go fill that shit up.
0: And then he's like, yeah, you all and got then, it. And
2: then he's like, hey, yo, Stevie, fill the, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll fill it up. Yeah, and he jumps up and yeah. he fills it up. Because he wants to be, you know, yeah. yeah.
0: I just, I mean, I just felt, that was such a great setup to where, and something that I think we've all kind of been through at yeah, some point. You it know? goes
2: back to the relatability. Yeah. If you've been a teenager, a boy, a girl too, but every I think there's little different circumstances for male-female. But nonetheless, like having been a teenager in that age group, in that time frame, y'all felt it. Y'all went through something in some yes. way similar.
0: And then that satisfaction of finally feeling that click. Like, okay, I don't have to prove myself anymore. I'm in.
2: Because he proved himself once he fell off the <laughs> roof. <laughs> he fell off the roof. <laughs>
1: hey, Jonah uh, Hill does a great job in storytelling with a counterpoint like an opposite yeah. uh, view with with Ian, the brother. Because mm-hmm. he's the ultimate view of this facade of a teenager who has to own every pair of shoes and the chains and the music. And it's perfect, right? His room, his room is perfect. His life is shit. And that's a great uh, uh, contrast to Stevie. Because Stevie, he's trying so hard, but somehow Stevie just naturally is the bomb, right? He's just... He doesn't realize it, but he's this this lovable kid that's mm-hmm. just gonna make it because he's he's trying. And then you have Ian, who has the money. He's got everything, and he's got nothing. I mean, he's got no friends. He you know he's he's got a lot of mental issues that he's dealing with. And I think those worlds collide when he gets in almost you know a little snafu scuffle with uh, Fuckshit, and Fuckshit calls him out right. Yeah. I'm like, Come on, go ahead. Let's go. And he can't do it. He's a, he's this tough brother who can beat up his little brother. Mm-hmm. But when when it comes, you know, when push comes to shove, he's just this, 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 this like cowering, cowering. When he's confronted inside, by someone
2: that actually is, is able, in that
1: world, yeah, in that tough mm-hmm. world, who who's living that that thug life, you know that that like I'm into drugs, I'm into whatever you name it. That's my life. I choose. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And Ray, and, 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 and the, the, another contrast is his friend Ray is like, I don't do any of that shit. I'm going to meet, I'm having meetings. I want to get sponsored. Yeah. I'm going to work my ass off, and that's how I'm going to make it in this world.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: you have all these, you know, parallels that, that he's contrasting here. Uh, and again, there's, there's nothing pretentious about any of those characters, but you put them all in the same room in, in the same film, and uh, uh, you're really able to. Draw the other side really well, and you, you see that
2: it's, yeah, like you said, the contrast, which is like identifiable amongst you know, this is this person, this is this person, and nobody seems the same. That's that's great. That's and I, I, the, that yeah. underlying
1: spiner theme is that at the end of the day, as a teenager, you you we're, we lie about it like you do everything, you're, you're so insecure, you, you just want to be. You put your best foot forward. And we do that like on Facebook, Instagram, right? Like, I, how do all these people go on these vacations? You know, these cars. Are their kids that perfect? You know, we play these lives mm-hmm. that, and, and Jordan is just like, okay, put a camera in your house for three days and see what shit goes down, mm-hmm. right? People trying to kill themselves, getting mm-hmm. drunk, doing drugs, losing their virginity. That's real. Right. Yeah, and he kills it with that.
2: Does a great job.
0: And just he does such a good job of just setting up each of those characters at the beginning of the film and just I mean, I just one of the I mean, there was setting up Ian that first when, shot, you talked
1: about you. Yeah, I that.
0: love that first shot, just like the very first thing. The, just comes getting, barely, bam. Also just, love
2: the hang time of it because it it's one shot, the camera's set up in the back of the hallway. It sits for a good twenty seconds mm. before any action actually takes place. So you're getting a little bit of anxiousness going. Is, like what's uh, gonna when, happen? And when he comes bolting out and he runs into bad. the wall, <laughs> and, and then his brother just starts beating the shit out of him. Now the action's definitely started. Mm. You know, that's a great. That's a great uh, opening.
0: But see, I I always, I agree with that. But I mean, I thought I understood, Ian, when. Sunburn gives him that CD, and he Mm. puts the trash on top of the CD case. Yeah, that I thought that was a brilliant. Just I loved that. I mean, I hated. I was was like, "Oh, you motherfucker!" But just setting up their relationship on a different level than because every yeah up to that point yeah Big Brothers beat up little kids, their little their their younger siblings. But that was a direct fuck you, like. Yeah, you absolutely. don't know what you're talking about but it
2: also what it then does is sets up a dy- it sets up the dynamic mm-hmm. between the brother older and younger brother and because the up the build up to that in the beginning of the film is stevie really trying to emulate everything that his older brother does mm-hmm. when he leaves and he goes in the room and he's looking like take an he's inventory taking inventory yeah and he's playing with this stuff and he's looking at his clothes and he's putting on the hat and he's like what's up fool he's trying to be everything that his older brother is and at the moment that's like a point of of of, of non-acceptance his brother's mm-hmm. like you can try everything you want you can do everything i'm not i don't want you i don't accept you but it's a literal, but it's a physical action, and he's like, "I don't accept you." And as a result of that, it leads him into like, he's searching in his own mm. way for other things and other people because he's not getting it from his brother,
0: or no, or defense from the mother in that scene. I mean, she
2: she's, she's oblivious. She, to, she's oblivious to the relationship between her sons.
0: She is, and she all she's thinking about at that point is her lost early youth, because all she says, "Hey, you yeah. know, you could be best." breastfeeding on that
2: or she's not even listening because she's talking about this guy that she's dating and has kind of feelings for Mm -hmm. and she's like i got her in my she's talking about her life and she's not in any way interested in what her boy's life are and you see it in ian even more in that in that scene which is like he's like orange juice he's like trying to get the waiters he's like not listening because he's like i'm here it's my birthday and you're talking about yourself And then you're asking me questions about, can you imagine if, so it's a real, yeah, that's another scene that really shows like the contrast, like you were saying T, what's contrast, which is like the contrast between characters. Mm -hmm. But this, this is the mom in this case with the two sons.
0: And it's all through that performance and that dialogue. It's just, I mean, just so well. And,
2: And this goes to, you know, there's a lot of scenes that I loved. I mean, you know. I, I mean, there's just a ton of them that I thought were fantastic. But it's interesting because I think for me, the thing that set up the movie from the very beginning was the opening, not the open uh, after it shows him uh, get beat, um, go through his brother's stuff in the room, and then it cuts to him on the bike, and he's driving down the street, and he looks over, and this is another, actually, and I didn't intend it for, to be but this is another example of contrast and it's done visually there's no uh uh language but we immediately know who the main character is going to follow and try to become and it shows a shot across the street of Mm -hmm. two kids with squirt guns at the the same age as stevie and they're playing with squirt guns and he looks at them and he sees what they're doing and then it cuts to him looking at fuck shit and ray and ruben and all those guys in front of a store telling the owner to go
0: the the, the desert storm guy yeah
2: Yeah. whatever (laughs) and it cuts back to stevie and you see this grin on his face yeah and he didn't get that with the two kids that were his age playing the squirt gun so that contrast of no words no real nothing but immediately the setup of the film is this is the lane this is the road this is where i'm going and that's like simple storytelling and you know when you think about where to kind of navigate a character but i thought it was so beautifully done and it was so it's once again it's subtle if you're not thinking about that then you're not recognizing that's what he's doing
0: because the scene could have just as easily been him coming up on those kids and seeing them it's like hey that's great but that contrast really
2: shows a contrast with the kids with the, squirt the super guns. Soakers. Yeah, so I love the super it. Soakers. mid nineties, mid nineties baby. So I thought, I mean, there's a lot of other scenes that we could go into, but that one in particular to me also really stood out because it kind of led the protagonist throughout the whole film. I um, was Desert Storm. i will
0: kick all your asses. <laughs> um, so
2: this I wanted to. Uh, so this movie. It premiered at the 2018 Toronto Film Festival. Um, Metacritic Metacritic has it at 66 Rotten Tomatoes has it at 81%. Audience score is 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Should, should That's high. unusual. Should be, About 20, should be I, a lot higher. higher.
1: Yeah. I, one thing I think in, from the critics, I, and, and this is a ballsy thing, but the ending. I myself, at first, I hated the ending, but it's a good thing because I wanted more. It, it for me, I like, was abrupt. I'm, I was abrupt, right? And I'm like, oh man, I just want to keep watching these kids get into trouble and do do stuff. But for for them, is he was able to tie up everything. He made amends with his brother. The mom comes to a realization that these kids love him and they're his bros and part of his circle, a new part of his life, and they don't want to hurt him they I are mean, got his I mean, back, they're, yeah. into, they're into shit that she disapproves of, but ultimately she sees that it, it they're good for him. They spent the night, you know, no, no kids don't do that. They spent the night. They were worried about him. They all got in trouble, and they're glad he's safe. Um, and then they go on their next adventure. And, and I want to see that next adventure. So I'm like, why did it
2: end? But that to me, yeah, because I felt the same way the first time I watched it. I uh, thought, oh, it's over. Yeah. Now I love the way he did it, where he incorporated. Fourth grade skate video, yeah, yeah. With, was it was it uh, small baby productions? What was the name? <laughs> anyway, it was, it was funny, like that, yeah. And so I like how he incorporated the 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 skate video mm. at the end, and but it did feel abrupt. And I agree with you. I think I think it could have been ranked a lot higher in terms if you're looking at these rankings. Now I don't care about them too much, but I am interested to kind of see what the overall consensus was. Because I think they should have been way higher. It should have been way higher than it's rated. And I get what you're saying initially with the abruptness of the ending. But what was kind of interesting, like the way that he set it up, the way he did, was that – it. and we'll go back to documentaries. Because a lot of times, what do they do at the end of a documentary, maybe a sports documentary or some kind of – they have little pictures with subtitles that kind of define the next step in that person's life. Right. Something so
0: it what, went what, on to do blah blah blah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It got that was painted in my head. So I thought, oh, Ray, professional skateboarder. Like I'm thinking so, and then I'm thinking, fuck shit, ended up doing this and that or whatever. And then I'm thinking Stevie went on and what you know. I kind of painted that, and and that's how I ended it for myself. And of course, you wouldn't do that in the movie, and it'd be real cheesy if you did. But for me, that's what helped me kind of go, oh, it was abrupt. But I also he left it enough and built the characters well enough for me to build my own end Hmm, interesting in that same kind of documentary fashion right
0: i've only seen the film once and so i i do want to watch it again it's definitely
2: a rewatchable
0: oh for sure i'm looking forward to seeing it again
2: with the abruptness of the ending i also would say that i like the 85 minute runtime like it is a little abrupt initially but I do like the 85 minute runtime because there's nothing else to be said. He's expressed what it is that he's wanted to say. And I got this quote from him, from Jonah Hill, which I thought was cool. Um, once again, oh, and then IMDb, the rating on IMDb was 7.4. So that's pretty good, actually. Uh-huh. But it should be in the nines. It literally should be. Um,
0: he got a lot of praise for it, though.
2: Yeah, there was a lot there's a lot of critical success yeah. overall generally speaking but I think that it didn't commercially do we, all yeah, that we great
1: yeah well, it would go
2: back to the like the pitch of like ranking in 100 million like Grand Budapest did at a 4.3 ratio or43 4, 4, ratio aspect ratio
0: you know it had to have made back its budget though
2: I would hope so the thing that I saw was between seven and 10 million that was the revenue it brought in the box office was between 7 and 10 it depends on where you check your source. I'm going to Google check. says 9, Box Office Mojo says 7 something.
0: Did Box Office so, have an estimated budget? It didn't.
2: So I'd be curious what his budget was. I don't know. I I I don't know what the budget was.
0: But it's ultimately not important, but
2: not really when it comes to just pure cinematic greatness.
1: Match directorial debut. What a like home run for your first.
2: <laughs> which brings which brings us to so uh, he talked about that, which was like, he said he wrote the film for, I guess, four years. And of course he's working on projects and acting and doing things, but he said, this was something was so personal and so like, uh, close to me that I, what was great about that time that I was writing it was that I could go home and like, it was a release because I could just yeah. like, let go of everything else and just focus on this thing that I was trying to build. And um, he said, I can't remember who he said he talked to, but his statement was this, which I thought is a kind of good ending point and also kind of a cool thing, particularly for this podcast. This podcast is about, like, first-time directors, mm. uh, feature film directors, right? So, like, our first cast, we talked about our little films that we've made, but, like, we're exploring first-time feature film directors. And this was his quote that he, that he said, said something about. He said, uh, why he wanted to make the film, which is like, he basically he said, I wanted to make the film or make a film that I could uh, look back on in 20 years and be proud of. Hmm. So something that felt real and, and felt like it was part of me and not just have made something for the sake of maybe making something, but actually like make something that was very personal and real to him that he could look back and go, I'm I'm glad I did that, so I think I think it's fair to say that if he does look back in twenty years, he should feel pretty proud about the film because it's really well done. Yeah. So, that's our consensus. So, I'm rating. I'll do a rating on it. I'm going. I'd go. I'd go nine and a half out of ten. If we go out of tens, I'll go nine and a half out of ten. That's how good the movie was for me, and. I could watch it three times repeatedly without ever being bored, and I'll watch it again, so it's definitely rewatchable i'll go I don't love ratings, but I will go nine and a half out of ten just so people get an idea of what kind of movie it is
0: now are we what what are those objects are they nine out of ten thumbs up or stars <laughs> 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 fuck shits, fuck shits, okay, nine out of ten um awesome. I'll give it nine point two five sunburns. <laughs> I love
1: Sunburn. I'm at nine and a half to too. I, I, I recommended it. I loved it. It's just one you see, and, again, it's not a commercial film, but it's one you're thinking about and the one you're laughing about and one that's it's you horrible. You talk about afterwards. You talk about I mean, we we're able to talk about it. Uh, there's just so much uh, you can get out of it, and there's a lot of stuff, movies out there. I mean, even the blockbusters, you watch and you're done with it. You don't want to watch it again. I mean, nice. you paid 40 bucks to watch it, so
2: nice yeah I definitely oh, I recommend it family, yeah. rent it or go on uh amazon prime if you have amazon prime it's free oh, yeah but if not rent it because i think it's a, a definite definite one you'll enjoy so going so next next podcast so going with this theme of first-time feature film directors irish english playwright martin mcdonough uh who became a film director and his first feature film that he directed is called in Bruges Bruges. and I think we should uh that's going to be our next cast is a film by Martin McDonough called in Bruges it's currently on Netflix and uh that's what we're going to be discussing next time in Bruges in Bruges Bruges. 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 open the pod bay doors
1: I'm sorry Dave I'm afraid I can't do that